Welcome to 52 Pearls, the weekly money wisdom podcast. I'm Melissa Joy, a certified financial planner and founder of Pearl Planning. And I'm joined by Melissa Friedenberg, Pearl Planning Financial Advisor. Hi, Melissa. Hi, Melissa. (laughs) You're never going to forget our names because, of course, we're both named Melissa, children of the 70s. So each week we provide a bite-sized actionable tip that we hope will help you make better financial decisions. The purpose of our podcast is to accompany our weekly financial tips, which we call 52 Pearls. Thanks for joining us. We look forward to sharing along the way. It's Melissa Joy here today, and I am joined by Dawn Starks. She's a friend, and I'm very excited to introduce her to you. Dawn is a certified financial planner. She is founder and president of Starks Financial Group. She also is the founder of Simple Money, which is a blog and a podcast. You can find it at simplemoneypro.com. I'm sure we'll be mentioning that again during this episode. And then Dawn just published a book, and it is Simplify Your Financial Life, 104 Easy Tips for Creating the Abundant Future You Desire. And that's available on Kindle and in paperback. Congratulations, Dawn, on the new book, and thank you so much for joining us on the 52 Pearls Money Wisdom Podcast. Hi. Thanks. Hey there. I'm so (laughs) glad to be here. Um, I'm such a fan of your work, as you know. Well, likewise, and I should have mentioned that you live in Asheville, North Carolina, a beautiful part of the country, and um, I'm excited to have this conversation today. We're recording in April 2020, so we're a few weeks in, at least around here, or five or six weeks, I guess, into the stay-at-home order. Um, You're tucked into place there in Asheville, too, Don? We are, um, I believe, until at least uh, mid-May. Okay. Yeah, it's probably going to be at least similar to us. I'm talking a lot about how learning to live with uncertainty is a new normal, not just with investing, but with all of our lives. And I wanted to make sure that this conversation had some of the wonderful advice that you have in your book, but also was reflecting upon the world that we're living in today. Um, So I, I really honed in on the title of your book, and it's woven into the book, talking about an abundant future. It just so happens that abundance is a portion of Pearl Planning's values. So we always love an abundant mentality. Um, Can you describe to me what abundance means to you? I can. Um, It's also, I think, probably one of my my core values. And I think, you know, thinking abundantly and having an abundance mindset means recognizing and acknowledging that there's plenty of wealth to go around and that it's not a have and have not situation. So it doesn't mean that if other people have um, wealth that you can't have wealth. It's not a zero sum game. So I think recognizing that and acknowledging it straight out of the gate is the, is the first step towards um, maintaining, developing and maintaining an abundance mindset. We, you know, we don't want to think about it as being win-lose. It needs to be a, a, a more of a we're all in this together um, situation and really lending a helping hand, you know, helping other people and bringing other people up also helps us feel more abundant in our lives. That makes sense. I, I often think about both abundance and contentment um, because once you get out of a scarcity mentality into an abundance mentality, then the next question is 
what makes you feel good? And it's not the same definition as what the, makes the next person feel content or feel fulfilled. Yes, I would agree. I mean, contentment and abundance do go hand in hand. And I think you're, you're spot on that having a scarcity mindset sets you up for a situation where you feel competitive against other people. You feel like, oh, I have to hold on to, to what I have and not let other people have it or take it away or in some way that I might lose it. You know, it really causes people to kind of close in on things. And I think contentment can't exist in that situation. So it's really only by having the more open, abundant idea and, and mindset that allows people to really share what they have with people. And I'm not talking about just sharing your money, but I mean, sharing your knowledge and your wisdom and just um, not feeling like you have to be so closed off and protective. I agree with you. It is a real challenge to talk about financial opportunities when you're feeling a, a scarcity mindset. And that mindset can be created based on a legacy of your financial life experiences, what your, it can be generational. Um, so if you grew up in a family that had a um, scarcity mindset, it may come more naturally to you. Uh, but then also the thing I'm reflecting upon right now is that in a time of extraordinary uncertainty and unprecedented time periods, that is also a contributor to, uh, you can switch on into that scarcity mindset in a blip, um, and it's unconscious. So I guess that brings us into the conversation of, you know, <laughs> how do you have an abundance mentality when everything is feels out of control. Well, you're so right. Um, in a situation like we're in now with this COVID and economic crisis that we're experiencing here and around the world, it's natural. And I think it's just, it's just human nature to sort of want to clench up, to um, pull everything close together and, and, you know, gather all your resources and make sure that you're going to be okay. Because of course you're feeling scared and you're feeling like you don't want to um, be in a bad situation and you want to be able to take care of your family um, and your loved ones. And so I think there's just this natural reaction to kind of gather everything together and get all your resources and, and hoard them. And so we've seen that in some, in some behavior that we've heard about in the media, people hoarding things like toilet paper and disinfectant wipes and whatnot, um, which I think, yes. yeah, I think that's sort of waning now as people are recognizing that, you know, the supply chain isn't completely stopped for any of those things. But that that sense of wanting to really protect and hold on to things is super normal and natural. And in order to maintain an abundance mindset through a crisis like this, is to first acknowledge the fact that, oh, okay, I, I, I understand what's happening in my brain. I understand why I want to hold on to all these things and hoard resources and make sure I've got my pantry stockpiled and all of that. But then to acknowledge it and then take a step back and recognize that the way that you're going to feel the most calm and relaxed through this is by sharing and by helping and by, by having an expansive, um, and that is the same really as an abundant um, point of view. And so trying to step a step back from the, the scarcity and the, and the um, scared um, hoarding kind of idea and saying, okay, what could I do for other people? You know, and again, I'm not saying you have to go give your money to everybody or go and hand out your toilet paper to everybody, 
um, but just how could I help other people? You know, how could I um, lend a, a sympathetic ear or maybe I can call people who don't have family members close by, um, that sort of thing. So by helping other people and being generous and practicing generosity, um, which is another um, major theme of the book, it, that's going to put you into that abundant mindset because you're going to recognize, you know, I really do have enough. I have all that I need. You know, think about how we live in this country in the United States compared to so many countries. Uh, we have so much already. So even when we think we're in dire straits and don't have very much going for us, we have so much more than many, many people. I agree with you. In fact, in our company values, there's a companion to abundance. So it's gratitude and abundance are the company values. I, they really do go hand in hand. For me personally, doing this podcast is part of that. How can I help? And I've have been, my heart has been warmed because there have been clients I've talked to who, you know, didn't have as many resources themselves, but they were saying, how can I help other people? I may have been calling them because I know their income isn't coming in. They're self-employed. There's no way to do their business when you can't leave your house. And instead of saying, woe is me, they had already gone through that very elevated, you know, thinking process where, where they're already thinking about others. And to, for you to express that that is a coping mechanism makes a lot of sense to me because I can see how that type of mentality kind of checks through to your actions and, and how you're thinking about yourself in the world. Yeah, I think it's a spiral, really. I mean, it kind of spirals up or down, depending on, you know, the point of view. But having that, that fear and the anxiety about um, running out of things and, and having things be scarce and feeling like you're going to be in a, in a worse situation next week than you are now, that sort of, that, that can get into a negative spiral and it just gets worse and worse and your anxiety level just increases. Um, and so I think it really requires some conscious thinking to take a step back and acknowledge that it's normal to feel that way. So you don't need to beat yourself up about it. It's normal to feel that way. It's just, a, it's, that's a human, uh, it's a, just a natural reaction, but to, to step back and say, okay, now I'm observing that, that I've had that reaction. And so now what can I do about it? What positive things can I do about it? And as we discussed, being generous, thinking about how, thinking about others just in general, thinking about how we can help others and do for other people, that's really going to uh, go a long way to sort of flip that switch back into abundant thinking. Yeah, I also, I, I, I can see when the scarcity mentality is kind of popping up when there's kind of tribalistic reactions. So right now, you know, in Michigan, there's a big debate. It's either open the doors right away stay at home indefinitely forever. And um, that like level of, I see that as a reaction, a scarcity mentality, a reaction to uncertainty where you can't even um, recognize that you don't know. So you have to latch on to something that you feel like is right when we just don't have enough information. So it's kind of companion to that um, where you need to combat it with, you know, some humility and um, the willingness to just say, how can I help others or what can I do to control my life today? Yes, no, I totally agree. And I think that look at, look at what we've seen already. Look at the resourcefulness of so many people, of what's happening around us. You know, now it's not all good. Obviously, there's lots of uh, bad and scary things happening now, um, especially in the medical community. 
but look at the people who are sort of stranded at home and they're immediately finding workarounds. They're finding ways to still communicate with their family um, and still to, to do their work if they can from home. People are making masks, you know, so there's, so there's this idea of, oh, you know, I can do, I can, I can work my way out of my funk maybe, or my, my negative spiral by using some ingenuity and figuring out, okay, well, how can we, how can we tackle this? And so I think as we move forward and, and the states are figuring out how they're going to reopen or when they're going to reopen, um, I, I really appreciate the fact that we've seen so much ingenuity and just, just creativity in coming up with ways to cope. I thought my theory when we, like a month ago, was that each country would have a response that was reflective of the country's culture. And in America, there's so much creativity and innovation. This is, even if, even some of the most innovative minds in the world may be born elsewhere, but they come to establish companies here in the United States. And so that um, reaction and response where there's extraordinary creative output, you know, people are entertaining us with I mean, I don't, I barely know what it is with TikTok videos or um, businesses that have learned to completely rethink the way that they interact with a community in a way that oftentimes is, is giving back to the community while still keeping their own doors open. All of those things are, to me, embedded in our culture. And again, if you, once you kind of embrace that there is a solution, which is, I, I think, related to an abundance mentality then you can be much more flexible in the way you adapt, um, which is what we're seeing people do just in their way of life. But also, you know, there's potentially some opportunities to do that with your money as well. Exactly. No, I completely agree. So speaking about adaptability, I suspect that there are listeners here today who may have a different point of view about their financial life than they did at the beginning of the year. So it may feel much more fragile or they may be um, introspective about what they want their life to be like. And when I think about your book, it's, it's a set of actions to take in order to be more intentional, perhaps, with your relationship with your money. Um, what do you think some themes are that people may, or exercises that people may want to be doing now to be thinking about their post-COVID-19 life? Well, I think you, you raise a good point. And this, and, and I've been encouraging people to think of this time to the extent that you can as, as a gift, because mm -hmm. this has really been a, a, a breather for our country and the world in many ways. And so again, it's not all good. I'm not trying to paint this, you know, this rosy and, and unicorn laden picture, but I think that if we stop and think, okay, what are the lessons here? And the slowing down and figuring out, wow, you know, all those things we thought were so important in our life are not very important. Um, one of the main themes of my book and my work with Simple Money is uh, simplification and minimalism, living a simpler life. And that really boils down to focusing on those that are most important to us. And it's going to be different for everyone. So not everyone's going to want to grow their own food and, you know, live off the land, but Typically, we see themes like, you know, having time for relationships that are important to us, whether it's spouses or partners, our children, our parents, our extended family members, or friends, whatever. So relationships tend to be super important to people. Um, and just living lighter, you know, not having so much stuff, because so much stuff in your life, whether it's 
physical stuff or mental stuff or just um, emotional baggage, that that is, um, it, it can be uh, claustrophobic and cause you to just not be able to function because you're just overwhelmed with things. So while we have this gift of time to some degree, again, I know that's not a universal statement, but many of us are experiencing a gift of time, a little breather where we're forced to step back out of our normal uh, way of being and doing in the world, it gives us the perfect opportunity to say, what was broken? What was broken in, in my life, in, in my relationships, in my financial life, uh, in my work life? And, and now how can we come back out of this on the other side with a new improved version? Um, with regard to your money, this is a great opportunity to revamp things and to take stock of things. So I think that first and foremost, people should uh, take an assessment. Um, now I'm, I'm just switching over to just talking about money now. Perfect, and finances. yes. But if you, if you take an assessment and you say, okay, how, how, how are things right now for me? Am I really stressed out for money because I did not have a good emergency fund? I didn't have a cushion. Um, I lost my job. I have no income. You know, take, take a little bit of uh, assessment of where you are and, and how you got there. And that would be your first learning lesson for the other side is to say, well, I can never be in this situation again. You know, if you, if you are feeling super fragile financially right now, there's a reason for that. And the reason is probably because you didn't have a good cushion. You didn't, you didn't have savings uh, to be able to buffer an unexpected loss of income. So those would be the types of lessons that you can take away from this and say, okay, going forward, when I'm back to having income, now I recognize that I can't spend all my money. I do have to start setting some aside so that I have a cushion in the event that something were to happen again to my income. Right. I think that you can do some planning. You don't have to have an answer to everything right away. And I would really encourage people to put some markers on their calendar, some milestones out so things, time doesn't get away from you when we're allowed to um, go back to whatever the new normal looks like. Uh, you know, you can't just map out an emergency reserve without some clarity about where your next paycheck is coming from. But you can give yourself a tickler, you know, just put something in your electronic calendar for August to say, where are we at? I need to revisit. And then, you know, certainly you spend a lot of time in your book talking about kind of editing your, um, your expenditures and things like that. And, and that's something that we've automatically paused some things that would seem like, you know, we're had have to have. And so there's a great opportunity to review your budget with a new frame of mind. Absolutely. And that is this, that is a, uh, another, um, element of this gift of time. Um, and so, you know, we can look at it as a penalty, you know, that we're being penalized, especially if you are one of the, uh, in the camp of people who are experiencing that financial fragility right now, where you're just at a loss for what to do because you don't have income and you're struggling and you're trying to get unemployment and all of those things. But this gives us a, a, a stopping place to say, okay, now let's reevaluate in addition to the savings and needing to build savings again in the future, but also, uh, what am I spending my money on? How can I cut back this, the, the money that I'm spending? What, uh, what things really are meaningful expense, expenditures versus fluffy or, or just, you know, um, 
not just discretionary, but, you know, more luxuries in, of life. And not that we can't have any luxuries, but recognizing that, hey, you know, we were probably blowing some money. You know, we were, we were spending money um, and not really thinking about it. And that was money that we could be redirecting in the future towards building that savings. So this gives us the opportunity to stop and pause and examine and evaluate how we were spending our money, how were we living our financial life, and then recognizing that we can make some positive changes. Yeah, I completely agree with you. And I don't, you don't have to reserve that edit to only reduce. I do think you could amplify certain areas if there were relationships you want to bolster where travel would help some spending quality time together. I'd say, great, have at it. Just make sure that you're not harming your future self with your current decisions. But I have been reflecting as, you know, this is a health crisis as well. And, and people's lives are threatened with, it, it reiterates that you want a, a, your current self to get the life that you want as well as your future self. You shouldn't have to put off living, which I think both of our philosophies, you know, can fit that in. Oh, definitely. Um, I definitely think so. Um, I think along with this editing, as you said, um, the main thing that I try to encourage people to do is to be mindful about their spending. So mindfulness is a huge theme um, in my book, in my work. And that is, is that what you, Melissa, spend your money on and what I spend my money on and what everyone else spends their money on is going to be different depending on what's most important to us. And so eliminating the mindless spending, so the spending that just happens because you don't think about it or because you're tired or, you're, or you just don't want to listen to your kids anymore or whatever, th that, that mindless spending is what tends to spiral out of control. And then all of a sudden you're like, where's all the money going? We just don't even know because it's just, it's just going out the door. So pulling that back and actually being really thoughtful about how you're spending your money and focusing on making sure you're spending money on the things that you and your family value and recognizing, okay, you know, these other things, we're kind of just blowing money on these things that don't really bring a lot of meaning or value to our lives. And yet these other things do bring a lot of meaning. And as you said, maybe we need to increase the amount of, of uh, money we're spending, but maybe also time that we're spending on these things that... Uh, are more meaningful. And we recognize that we got so tied up in the mindless spending of money and time that we neglected the things that we are, that we value most. So I, I think really that that is a core concept for, uh, for the work of the book, but also just in life is to really kind of focus in and bring that meaning conversation. And so you can ask yourself, really, I mean, like literally ask yourself before you make a, a purchase, you can say, what does this purchase mean to me? You know, so I'm going to buy this book or I'm going to buy this game or I'm going to buy this piece, uh, you know, piece of clothing or article of food or whatever. W what does this mean to me? Is this something that's going to bring me pleasure? Is it something that's going to um, make me feel better about myself? Is it something that's going to uh, make me um, uh, fit in with other people? You know, so there's a lot of motivations that we have for the things that we buy. And if you start really asking yourself, you can learn a lot about yourself and you can recognize perhaps some you know maybe negative patterns that maybe you know I spend a lot of money buying clothes or other things just so that other people will think I'm successful or um, or attractive or you know fitting in with the crowd or whatnot and and then once you start to really look at those things then you can kind of lay it out there and say all right well is this really what I want to be doing do I want to spend my money this way or could I be content with who I am and spend the money in a way that would be 
that would make me happy in other areas. So it, it probably sounds tedious to say, oh, uh, every, every purchase, I'm going to ask myself that. But if you were to put a reminder, like put something on your credit card or around your wallet to remind it just to, as a trigger, um, online's a little ch more challenging. <laughs> you're going to have to put a sticker, sticky note or something on your screen to remind yourself if you're going to buy something, say, okay, why am I really buying this? Is it just mindless purchasing because buying things makes me feel good? Or is it something we really need for our family? Is it something that I really need to um, improve my education or my job or whatever? So trying to really get down to the bottom of it. And once you get into the habit of doing it, it's not tedious. It just becomes second nature. Well, for much of my life, I've used one of your other suggestions, which is to delay purchases. So, um, you know, living in my 20s and 30s with very a strict budget, you know, kind of I never lived... I never had debt, but I also never had much extra money. And I would always put the pause button and kind of circle around financial decisions. And I think when, if for each of us, we're both Gen Xers and we're kind of, our generation is in the time where we're gathering real meaningful assets. Um, you can get away from that habit of figuring out you know, what's the meaning? And you're looking around, you know, your neighborhood or your peers and saying, so-and-so does this, maybe I should too, without thought. And it may or may not matter to you. Um, the things that you have gotten in the habit of setting an expectation that your family has may, be, may not bring any fulfillment. There may be other things that you would really like to pursue that are different than your peers or your friends. Yes. And in financial planning, when we're thinking about trying to save money for different financial goals, one of the, um, I'm sure you probably talk about this with, with your clients too, is to say, if you're going to get an increase in your pay, if you're going to get a, a, a raise or a bonus or some other windfall, to always have a plan in mind for what's going to happen with that money when it comes. Because otherwise what happens is we have lifestyle creep. And so as we start making more money, our expenses correspondingly go up. And then all of a sudden you're like, well, where's all the money going? And you don't pay, and you don't pay attention to that. Instead, if you sort of put a freeze on what you're spending and then say any additional income that comes in, you're going to have a plan for it. It's not that you can't splurge if you get a, a you know, big, nice bonus at work or something, but figure out, you know, X percent of that bonus, I'm going to splurge and, you know, treat my family or go on a vacation or do something nice. But the lion's share of it is going to go towards building our savings or going our retirement savings or, or whatnot have a plan for whatever the plan is, but just have a plan for it because otherwise it just sort of, it's insidious. It just creeps in. You just start spending more and more and more. And I mean, I remember those days too, the poor days, yeah. <laughs> the days of not having any money. And you know, and it was amazing how you could make your money stretch when you didn't have it. And then when you start to make more money as you get further along in your career, then it becomes much easier. Day-to-day -day living becomes easier and you lose your edge. I think you lose that edge of really paying close attention to it. And so I think no matter how much money you make and no matter how comfortable you are with the income you have coming into your household and your budget, I think everyone would benefit from bringing that mindfulness back in, into it and, and recognizing, wow, you know, we're making way more money than we used to, but boy, are we blowing more money than we used to. And we don't really need to do that. We could potentially be doing so much better with that money. Yeah, I find others. I, as working with clients on their financial plans, we are doing that pre-work. So 
I like to say when you get your bonus or raise or at the end of the each year, let's do a nudge up of your retirement savings. You can, you know, kind of map out future years for how you're going to be able to save. It's a um, method of incrementalism as well. So it's very difficult to kind of um, do everything at once on the things that are kind of on your to-do list. Uh, and if I just think that um, visiting the mindset of simplification and organization of your finances is so valuable and to the extent that you can kind of take these simple money principles and incorporate them into your life, you will likely have the possibilities of feeling more resilient in the next period of uncertainty, which we can never predict what it will be. And sometimes it's on a personal level, sometimes it's societal, but the being more intentional and having that mindfulness is a, not only a coping mechanism, but it's also a preparation mechanism. Completely, completely. And I think that's, if for nothing else, we should come out of this crisis with the understanding that, wow, things can happen out of the blue and, and, it, and it really does happen. And whether or not it's just to you or it's to the, your whole um, family or to the whole society, these things can, can crop up. And so it, stopped, it has now ceased to be a hypothetical and we're all experiencing the, the reality of the uncertainties. And so I think nimbleness is what you were driving at before, being yeah. able to, to be more flexible and less reactive and less freaking out when things happen and instead recognizing, okay, wow, this is new, this is different, and it's maybe scary, but we've got this. We've, we've got a handle on it because we understand what our plan is and, and, how, and how we can, can make things smooth out and be successful in the future. That's, that's a perfect way to leave this conversation. Don, when people are looking for more of your advice and tips, can you remind us um, where to find you? Sure. Um, Simple Money is online at simplemoneypro.com. And that is uh, the home of my blog. And also uh, have a weekly podcast where I talk about um, different topics about simple living and um, personal finance. Um, And then uh, the book is, you can find information about that at simplifyyourfinanciallife.com. Um, and you can order it there directly from me if you'd like a signed copy, or you can, there's links to go to the various um, places where books are sold. Perfect. I will make sure that we link to both of those in our show notes and stay safe there. Thank you so much for your time. I have a feeling we'll have to have you back again to talk more about these simple money concepts because I think they're so valuable and I agree with so many of them. Thanks, Don. Oh, great. Well, thank you. Thanks a bunch. I look forward to seeing you again soon. You can access our first eight episodes now, and we'll be releasing new episodes each Monday. For more information, visit pearlplan.com or our Facebook page, Pearl Planning Wealth.